It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to this, uh, what is it, Wednesday? Welcome to Wednesday here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. A quick look behind the scenes here. In this business, it is either feast or famine. There are days where I sit uh, all the way up until broadcast time, scratching my head saying, what the heck are we going to talk about for the next two and a half hours? Uh, And then, those are the the famine days. And then on the days where there is uh, a plenty, like today, uh, I sit here scratching my head thinking, Where are we going to find time to fit all this in? My first dilemma today is that as I was walking into the studio, I came to learn uh, via a CNN reporter that Senator Mitt Romney has made it known, at least to this reporter. So we'll have to verify this one. But uh, but Manu Raju with uh, CNN, uh, he's all right. He's the guy that roams the halls of Congress and he uh, cornered Senator Romney. They had a quick chat. And according to Manu, uh, Senator Mitt Romney has cast his vote in the presidential election and it is not for the president. Interesting, uh, but not unprecedented. If you can think back to 2016, uh, we didn't know who uh, then-citizen uh, Romney had voted for. We later, in the middle of an editorial board meeting here with the Deseret News, uh, he revealed that he had written in uh, a candidate, or he had written in a name. It might not be appropriate to call her a candidate, but he had written in uh, the name of his wife, Ann Romney. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to share that with you quickly and, and let you know that those are the types of stories that uh, compete for time here on the program. Uh, the real story, though... Uh, is why I have invited back into the studio Debbie Dejanovic. She has something fascinating to share. And honestly, it's a story inside a story. I want to peel back the curtain a little bit and share with listeners the process that can sometimes go into discovering stories and ultimately uh, finding some incredible data and uh, ultimately and potentially, in this case, uh, bringing about some change of policy, specifically in the Salt Lake City Police Department. What am I talking about, Debbie? Hi, Lee. Uh, well, several listeners have been reaching out to me over the last few months and asking me if what they're feeling is actually true and if there was a way that I could find out. And that feeling was that it was taking longer and longer and longer for the Salt Lake City Police Department patrol officers to respond to calls for help. So I filed an open records request with the Salt Lake City Police Department a month ago. And it took a little while to get the data back, but we got it back. And sure enough, what those residents and my tipsters have been telling me, it turns out they're right. Spoiler alert, overall, we compared last summer to this summer. Overall, the response times to your calls for help have doubled. doubled. Last summer, 24 minutes on average across all the crime categories we looked at, 24 minutes. This summer? Almost 50 minutes. Incredible. You you mentioned categories. What are the different categories? What do you mean? We had them break it down by priorities. Priority one, priority two, priority three. Priority one would be your life is on the line. Mm -hmm. Someone's broken into your home and they're, you know, got you in a chokehold and somebody in family calls 911. Um, Priority two would be things are bad. It's a domestic violence dispute. There's no weapon involved. That's bad and it may escalate. It's a priority two call. And then priority three would be, there's a trespasser on my lawn. He's been here all day. He won't leave. I need an officer. 
or a fender bender. So shall I look at those with you? Yeah, please. So priority one calls. Those Here's are the how, most urgent. There those is are the an most immediate urgent. need for aid. Seconds matter. Seconds matter. In 2019, it would take an officer 10 minutes. That, that feels long, even though, that, long. even though that's the base. That, that feels yeah. like a long time. So I compared it to other cities. Austin, Texas, 17, 7 minutes and 15 seconds. 7 minutes and 15 seconds. San Jose, a little over 9 minutes. Uh, San Francisco has got it down, 5 minutes and 46 seconds. And those so, cities are comparable in size yeah, and concentration. Well, San Francisco is likely bigger, uh, more populated. So they've somehow figured it out. Um, here in Salt Lake City, again, last summer it was 10-minute response time, which I too, I imagine life is on the line, right? This summer, 11 minutes and 30 seconds. So it's 90 seconds slower than last year. You reached you reached out to the, the police department to get some explanations or, or just share with them what you have found and see if there's any uh, reason for these uh, for these times. I did. Uh, we had them on the air this morning on the David Dijanovic show. And um, the deputy chief who joined us, uh, Lamar Ewell, was very clear. A 50-minute overall response time is unacceptable. Yes, I agree that 50 minutes is not acceptable. You then went on to ask if, uh, if 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 there are actually days where there's less than a dozen uh, patrol yeah, officers. I had heard that. Salt Lake. I had ever heard that that uh, perhaps some days there are less than a dozen officers uh, on patrol for the entire city. And here's what he said: It's really hard for me to answer that. I'm I'm over the other side of the house. I'm not over patrol, so I'm over uh, the detective division, administrative administrative side. But I I have heard that there are times when there may only be three or four officers on a shift. And when I look at your the numbers that you have here, you know, 164 from last year to 179 officers this year, they can be a little, um, I think, misleading, if that's a good word to use. What he meant by that is there are 179 officers we found assigned to patrol the entire patrol unit. And some of those officers uh, may be out sick. I mean, they've had 80 officers either on quarantine or on leave over the last couple of months. They've also had 50 officers either retire, resign, or be asked to leave the force since April. And that's slowing down those other calls as well. For example, Priority 2 calls uh, have gone from, um, they've gone up to 21 minutes for a response time that is six minutes slower than last year and then let's talk about those priority three calls where you're sitting in traffic and you're trying to get a you know you got a fender bender you got over the side of the road you got a trespasser who won't leave your home you want somebody there you want a police officer to respond it's almost 45 minutes slower uh, according to the response time data that we got 45 minutes slower this past summer compared to last summer lee an hour and 16-minute response time on those types of calls. Debbie, the, the data is fascinating. It's intriguing. Uh, I am anxious to see if there are more nuanced explanations to come from the department. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, regardless of the explanation, it, it, may be, it may be something having to do with logistics or practicality or who knows. Uh, but whatever the explanation may be, uh, you know, certainly as we compare to other cities as you've done, uh, these times are pretty high, even last year's. Uh, and they, so we'll continue and, to follow it with and, you, Debbie. And they also did a survey of residents, Lee, and the residents expect that response time to be five minutes for those priority one calls. So they're way off base on that. Well, hopefully they can get it together. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we are going to look south to Utah County. Yesterday there were some uh, there were some. Interesting developments in the mask mandate situation in Utah County. Yes, you still have to 
Yes, you still have to wear a mask down there, but under whose authority now? We'll sort it out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.